Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy of Art podcast with your host, Addie Hirschton. Join us as we share folk tales and true stories about artists and the creative process. We start with our quote of the day. This one's by Ramar Bearden. He said, the artist has to be something like a whale swimming with his mouth open, absorbing everything until he has what he really needs. Hello everyone, my name is Addie Hirschton. I'm a contemporary impressionist painter, art instructor, author, and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and the creative process to inspire you and help you move forward, and in turn... Yes, yes, help uh, myself move forward and inspire me too. On the show, I interview artists from a wide variety of mediums so that we can learn from each other's processes and philosophy. Today's podcast features an interview with creative coach and mixed media artist Kyla Givehand and the story of Tanabata. Announcements. So let's see. There's always lots going on in my world. I've got a bunch of summer classes at the Indianapolis Art Center. I'm hosting a flower painting party at the Hatch. That's June 10th. Um, My new books, The Happy Kite and The Alchemy of Painting, are available for purchase. And if you are in the Indianapolis area, I welcome you to go to my website and, um, and find out about my book launch party and Artists Open Studio House. So Saturday, June 24th, I'm going to be having a party where a bunch of the artists who contributed to the Alchemy of Painting are going to join me and you can come and see my studio at my house and purchase the book if you'd like and um, it's going to be a grand good time. So if you'd like to join us, just RSVP on Eventbrite and the links are from my website. Now let's talk about our interview for the day. So I had the pleasure of speaking with Kyla Givehand. And Kyla Givehand is a creativity and empowerment coach. She's a poet, writer, and editor, mixed media book artist, and a workshop leader. Givehand received an MFA in creative writing and poetry from Mills College. And for more than 15 years, she taught English and language arts at every level of school. you can think of, including the college level, where she taught uh, creative writing, humanities, and English composition. She now works with small groups of students, teachers, artists, writers, and creative entrepreneurs who want to identify their passions so that they can embrace their gifts and talents through the empowered expression of their deepest desires. She loves teaching and empowering others to live with intention, and as we're going to talk about in the interview, she has online classes that are amazing, so I hope you all look into them. You can find out more about Kyla Givehand at kylagivehand.com. And now, here's our interview. Welcome, Kyla. Hi, Addie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. 
I'm so glad you're here. You. My first question for you is, what is the story behind how you got into book arts and mixed media journaling? Oh, wow. Um, what a long journey. When I think back to um, before I even knew what the word book arts meant, um, if you can kind of think back to middle school when we were all folding paper and making notes and passing notes and, you know, you would try to figure out the coolest way to fold the paper and tuck it into a little corner. We were doing origami and no one was calling it that and no one was saying, you know, this is what you're doing. So um, when I think back, I think I have been folding paper into little books for a very long time. <laughs> um, my mother, when I started doing it formally and, you know, taking classes, she was like, oh, my gosh, you've been doing that forever. She was like, you used to fold paper and make little books out of it all the time, like just, you know, fold it in half and make a little book. So the, the formal part of my training, though, um, I guess I've been doing it about 10. Ooh, we're, we're going on a little more than 10 years at this point. I um, did an MFA at Mills College in Oakland. And as a part of that program, there's a book art uh, department. Oh, wow. And it's it's run by two amazing, amazing women, Julie Chen and Kathy Walkup. And they just do a fabulous job of teaching everything from letterpress to traditional bookbinding, contemporary bookbinding. Um, all, I mean, just the, the, the range of things that they t taught in that department. And I was actually a student doing an MFA in poetry and creative writing. But, you know, you always have slots in your schedule where you can sure. take other classes. Um, yeah. And I didn't go to any other department. I took every single extra slot that I had was in book art. And, uh, I think there were some semesters where I had to get like an override to be able to take two classes in book art, in book art. So I really immersed myself in it once I got to Mills and I just didn't look back. Um, when I graduated, I was uh, invited and offered a position to work with Julie Chen, who is one of the premier book artists in, in the nation, in the world, really. She's been all over the world teaching and so I got to work with her as her studio assistant for about a year and that just opened my eyes to a completely different way of work like took it from being a student of book art to thinking about how do you make this a profession um, how do you do this for a living and um, so yeah so Julie was was really the one who helped me move from oh this is just a hobby to how do you do this professionally and actually make a living from it? Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like a passion. <laughs> Absolutely. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> awesome. So you have this nice set of online courses and you've got them really in two groups. There's the art journaling ones and then there's the creative business strategies. And mm -hmm. I, I have to tell you, I have my eye on the, um, creating an amazing e-course one. I might not be getting the title right, but um, I have, you know, some videos all prepared to do e-courses and I haven't yeah. officially done it yet. So I've, I'm thinking that might be really great. And you've got a couple ones that are lead-ins where, you know, if the, anybody listening in the audience is interested, you can try out uh, one of Kyla Givhen's uh, classes for yeah. free. And yes. then, you know, you can if you love her, which you, of course, will, then you can, go, you know, take these other ones. So, um, but what's the story of how you became just a teacher in general? And then what mm -hmm. prompted you to start doing the online courses yourself? 
Yeah. So I I often joke that I was born into teaching. Um, my father was a teacher um, for many, 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 many years, um, 30 plus years. He was a teacher. Um, he taught physical education. He was a basketball coach. Um, so he I don't think we ever once had a conversation about teaching, but because my father was older um, when I was born. But by the time I got to college, you know, he was sort of on the decline health wise or whatever. So we never actually had a conversation. Um, and my father actually passed before I ever graduated college. So he didn't, he didn't even know I was studying to be a teacher because when I went to college, I was actually studying to be a computer. Um, uh, I was going to do computer programming okay. and. I couldn't pass accounting, <laughs> which, which seems like such a crazy thing to need as a computer programmer. Like, I don't need accounting. Why are you making me take this class? So long story short, I I had all I had to keep trying to take accounting. So I had like three semesters of trying to take this class and I had to fill my my schedule with other things while I'm trying to pass this class. Right. Sure. Um, and I filled it with creative writing and classes on education and kids and then the next thing I knew, my counselor was like, so you realize you have enough credits to get a degree in education, right? And I was <laughs> like, what? How did that happen? So wow. fast forward, I I did. I ended up with two bachelor degrees, one of them in creative writing and um, English education. And I went on to be a teacher. I taught in Broward County for about eight years. Um, I taught middle school and high school and then I did a master's in education um, and digital learning specifically. And then I went on to teach for Florida Virtual School, which is the online high school. Um, and I did that for a few years. And I just I don't know. It, it almost feels like happenstance. Like, I don't know how this happened. I just became a teacher somehow when I that was never really the plan. Um, so, yeah, I taught for a very long time and I've been teaching since 1995, 96, mm -hmm. somewhere around. Mm -hmm. um, and I got burned out with the K-12 teaching. I got burned out with teaching in the traditional classroom. And then eventually I burned out teaching in college. I taught college for about 12, 14 years, somewhere in there. Um, and I just I got burned out from it. But I loved teaching. It wasn't the teaching that I didn't love or that burned me out. It was the, all the other stuff, the going to the meetings, the parent conferences, the filling out, you know, paperwork and all the other stuff that isn't the in front of the kids working with the students part. Sure. Um, so when it came time for me to decide what was going to be next for me, because I just could not bring myself to go back another semester and teach, I said, what do I love? I love teaching. Okay, but what, what else could I do? How can I? So I had to like break down my limiting beliefs about what it meant to be a teacher, that, that there were so many other ways you can teach people. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I did. I said, I love being a teacher. I love teaching. I just don't want to do all the other bits and pieces that come along. I don't want to give grades and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't, you know, try to, you know, coerce people to learn the content that I'm trying to teach them. I, I just want to teach and be in conversation with people who love the thing that I'm teaching. So, yeah, so that's kind of how it came about. And I already had all the sort of training. You know, I did a um, educational specialist degree in, in teaching online. And I had years of experience doing that, about 12 years of teaching online college. Um, and so I just took all of those skills and combined them with my love of art and book arts and creative empowerment and 
what you see is what you get today. <laughs> <laughs> a plethora of classes um, because I, I think I wake up with a new idea for a class like every day. So it feels um, it feels full circle to have had the formal training as a teacher to learn that, you know, everybody has different learning styles and how do you cater to different learning styles and right to have all of the sort of formal philosophical theoretical parts of teaching combined with how do we make it fun? What can we do that's fun? Um, so, yeah, that's a, in a very sort of rambly way. That's that's my teaching story. Yeah. Well, wow. It sounds <laughs> like you've done a lot. That's, you've done a lot. Um, what do you say most often to your students? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, let's start with the art folks. Um, to my art students, I think I find myself saying most often play. Just allow yourself to play. And it really goes back to the idea of beginning with a beginner's mind, um, which is not my saying by, by any means. It's floating out there in the, in the atmosphere um, from some very wise person very, very long time ago. Um, but, it, it, but the idea of when we're kids, if you think about what play really means and what we, how we played as children, we just – we were fearless. We didn't we didn't know failure. We didn't think about it. We didn't it wasn't hanging over us in any way. We um, we just tried things. We just said, OK, what if I did this? OK, now what if I do this? And that spirit and that energy, if we can bring that to our art practice, it's a it, it really becomes um, a very powerful tool in the toolkit. And I call it a tool because for adults, it's not something that we just innately do anymore. We we it's been it's been schooled out of us. It's been lived out of us. You know, life gets hard and it sort of, you know, weighs on us and we forget what it feels like to be a beginner at something and how when we are a beginner, we have so much compassion for beginners. We have so much leeway we give them because oh, they're a beginner, you know. Um and we forget to do that for ourselves once we've been doing something for so yes, long. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. So it's so that's the thing that I find myself saying. Um, I do these artsy meetups online and I think I start every single one by saying, OK, everybody, let's get started. Let's play. We're going to start by just playing. Let's see what we can do by playing. Um, play is also the um, it's the it was the impetus for the mixed media inspiration deck that I created. It's like, how can we invite serendipity into our work? Just stop thinking, overthinking it, pull a card and do what the card says and just see what happens. Right. So all of So I think that's the thing that I find myself saying to people over and over again, let go play, be a beginner, be okay with being a beginner every single day. Even if you're an expert at that thing, what if you were just a beginner, what would you do differently? How would you be more compassionate with yourself? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I quite agree. It's it's oftentimes really hard for beginning students to go easy on themselves. It's easy to look mm. at somebody else and say, oh, "Yeah, they're a beginner, so that's okay where they're at." But me, yes. I'm you know, I, I think because when because I teach um, adult painting classes as well, mm -hmm. and folks who come in, you know, say they're well, they're all adults, so they're they're older and they have a lot of life experience and they're not used to trying something brand new mm. and not being good at it already. So mm -hmm. it feels really mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Um, yes. it's, a, it's a great thing to remind yourself of if you are starting something new and you're an adult, 
it's it's okay to be a beginner. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And I, you know, Addie, I say to my um, the folks who are out there listening, if you're someone who is thinking about being like a an entrepreneur with your creativity, you want to become, you know you want to switch roles and kind of start monetizing what you do in the world. The people I work with on the business side are all creative in some shape, form or fashion. They're doing something creative. Um, and I have to make a distinction between creative and artistic because I don't, I have a lot of people who are not artistic, but they are absolutely creative and what they're doing in the world is creative. Um, and what I find myself saying to the business side of my students is clarity is a game changer. <laughs> if you can get clear, get clear on who you serve, who you want to work with, what you want to do for them, how you want to do it, just every step of the way, it's about clarity. Um, if you barrel through it and you aren't clear, you're just going to be kind of willy nilly. You're going to be frustrated most of the time. You're going to feel like you are, you know, putting things out into the world. No one's listening. No one's paying attention. No one's reading my blog. No one's buying my stuff. And it's probably a lack of clarity. Ninety percent of the people I, that I work with from the very beginning, the ve we find out the biggest issue is they're not clear. They're not clear on what they do or who they do it for or so many other things. So clarity is a game changer. That's that's the thing I find myself saying to my students um, most often, students and clients on the business side. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. And even. Even in our art, right? We could say that, like the clarity, yes. like what, are, yeah, what do you want to work on? You know, you got somebody who's, you know, one minute they're doing knitting and then they're doing abstract art and then the next week they're doing, right? Yeah. Patience is the other one, right? Do we give ourselves time to cultivate a thing, whatever that might be? Um, so, yeah, there's no, now I'm multi-passionate, so let me just put a disclaimer. <laughs> I am definitely a jumper around person. Like I'm. <laughs> One day I'm doing this. Tomorrow I might be making jewelry. I don't know. You know, it's <laughs> it just I go where I'm led. But at the same time, I'm really clear about why I'm there. I try sure. to get really clear on it. Yeah. So clarity, play and clarity. Those are the those are the things. Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> again, I agree with you. And you're looking at my own art story. Mm. You know, and, and let's just take out the business side of it because that's a whole other can of worms. Right? Yes. But, but like, yes. even just the, when I sit down to do a painting and the reason I'm doing this painting today might be because, oh, I'm honoring the beauty of nature and springtime. Mm -hmm. and But then my painting from a few months ago might have been more about expressing love and, and showing two people and how they are relating to each other. So each piece can have a completely different purpose yes. um, but it, yeah I, I agree if you can get very very clear about it and I have several prompts in my book that's uh, coming out this summer it's called the alchemy of painting developing your style and purpose Ooh, and I love and, it and that book has lots of prompts for people to help them figure out why they're doing it and because everyone comes in and they're like oh I, I really want to I want to paint or I want to sculpt or I, I, I know I want to do this and deep down they know why but mm -hmm. it's hard to articulate it and if you can get yourself clear on it then your work is going to be stronger in every way yeah oh I love I love the title of of that book as well that's beautiful I can't wait for it to come out yeah oh good <laughs> yeah thank you um okay so here's this big question that uh it can be a bit of a doozy, but uh, I love hearing everybody's answers on this. And that's what advice would you give to your younger artist self? 
Oh, I don't even have to think too long about that one. Okay. I would say, I would say to her, start now, start now. Don't wait, right? It just start now. So don't wait for permission. Maybe that's a better uh, way. Stop waiting for permission. Um, I spent a lot of my life waiting on, on permission to be what I am today, to be a teacher, to be an artist, to be um, a business owner, um, to be a empowerment coach to all the things like waiting on permission from someone. Um, so that, that probably be the thing is like, wait, stop waiting for permission and just do it. Um, because I think so often we're waiting on for permission, but again, we're not even clear on who we're waiting on permission for, from like who, who is the person that can bestow this permission that, let you go and do the thing in the world that you're really here to do and meant to do. Um, so it's kind of a conundrum. We're waiting on permission, but we don't even know who we're waiting on permission for from. Um, so it's, yeah. So that would be my, my advice to my younger selves. Do it now. Don't wait for permission. Just do it. And, and I say that to myself today still, <laughs> I have to remind myself, um, to just do like, I don't need permission to teach this online class. I don't need permission to gather a bunch of other artists together and do a collaborative course. I just need to ask. I just need to ask people if they're willing, if they want to be a part of it. Um, and a lot of times waiting on permission is really just a sign of fear. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So in, in, a, in essence, I'm saying to my younger self, be fearless. It's okay. Make mistakes. It's all right. So, yeah, I think that's definitely what I would say to her. Just do it now. Don't wait. Awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. And now we're to our final question. And that mm -hmm. is, what is your favorite art book or story? Mm. <laughs> this was a hard one for me. Um, so I have to say, I take, a, I get a lot of inspiration because I'm formally trained as a poet. I think I get a lot of inspiration from poetry. So, my sort of go to when I'm fit and I don't talk about this a lot. So thank you for asking this question. I don't even think I've talked about this in with my students and uh, folks that I work with. But I take a lot of inspiration from poetry. I have a row like two, one of those little three tiered Ikea carts. <laughs> All three tiers are filled with books of poetry that I just kind of keep over by my desk because it those poets have a way of seeing the world and interpreting it for us through poetry i find it very easy to access what a poet has how a poet has interpreted the world and then filter it through my own experience and bring it back to the page or to the canvas or to the book art that i'm making um i've made a lot of books that were handmade journals that were actually inspired by something i read in a poem um because i can visually see the imagery and I say to myself, what would that look like in a handmade journal? Well, then I have to build a structure that makes sense for it to exist, uh, for the poems to exist in that in that book. So I take a lot of inspiration from poets and poetry and just the way poets navigate um, creativity in the, in the world. Um, but if I had to pick like a book that was in the art realm, I probably would go with Still Like an Artist. That book changed the way that I, I mean, I know it had a lot of controversy around it and a lot of people were like, oh, you don't steal, artists don't, shouldn't steal. And, you know, I think they missed the word steal threw people off, right? If sure. they said, walk, if it said walk like an artist or <laughs> talk like an artist or think like an artist, 
people would not have had the issues with it that they had. But if you can get past that, it really is just a manifesto. It's, it's just a manifesto of how to think like an artist, right? Um, so yeah, I, that would be the the one. Um, and I would say if you if you've never read the book, um, try to read it with the lens again of a beginner. Try to go into it with a beginner's mind. Forget all the stuff you know about the word still and all the things you think about thievery and <laughs> um, and really. Um, I watched an amazing TED talk from him. Oh, not not too long ago actually. I mean the book's much older, but uh, TED talk I watched from him and one of the things he said in that. Um, TED Talk that really stood stood out for me um, was about it was a quote from from some other artists about loving something versus respecting something. Um, and I'm not doing it justice here, but it, it in essence, what you think is stealing, I think is honoring. Right. Or I might be thinking, oh, I'm honoring this person or I'm paying homage to this tradition or this thing right so sometimes it's just a matter of the language gets in the way um but yeah that would be i would say read poetry as often as you can and check out the book still like an artist i think it has it has some good stuff in it oh wonderful thank you and <laughs> any final thoughts for our listeners anything mm. i haven't asked you that you wish i had asked <laughs> <laughs> Well, honestly, you know, Addie, I'm just I'm very grateful to you and thankful to you for having me and allowing me to share my story um, with your listeners. And I think the biggest thing that has been um, sort of transformative, I hate to say life changing because that sounds so big and so heavy, <laughs> but in a way it has been life changing for me um, is to to just one day at a time. Every single day I wake up as if yesterday didn't even like I did. I come and I'm like, oh, OK, like this morning I woke up and I knew I had this interview with you and I was very excited. And I took my time this morning, whereas usually I barrel through my morning and I'm like, OK, check email, do this, do that. But today I said, you know what? I'm just going to leisurely go into my art space. I'm going to actually go to my art table before I sit at my desk, which I have in two different there are two different tables and. So I so intentional, um, intentional time for yourself, I think, mm -hmm. is, is, is something I would really say to people like allow yourself to be patient with yourself and your practice and just see what evolves when you bring some intuitive and intentional time to your art. Um, it that has been transformative to me is to know that I can actually live in that duality where I can be intuitive around my art, but then also I can take that same piece of art and put intention behind it. Um, and allowing to knowing that those two things don't necessarily live in the same space and time. Right. And so is, but knowing that I can, I can do that. I can have both an intuitive way of being in the world and an intentional way of being in the world. Um, yeah. And it doesn't make me fickle to do that. It just means that I'm, thoughtful maybe um, so yeah, yeah those are sort of the final thoughts it's just allow allow for the duality in your life um and in your art mm, yeah and i'm reminded of uh is it Anne lamont's bird by bird you take it bird mm. by bird <laughs> yeah. yep day by day bird by bird for sure oh lovely well kyla thank you so much for being a guest on the show i so appreciate it 
Thank you for having me, Addie. I can't wait to connect more. And now for our story of the day. As I said on the last episode, I only have a few more stories left from my Alchemy of Art Stories for the Classroom book to share on the podcast. Uh, This is one of them. The story of Tanabata is a folk tale from China. Once upon a time, there was a weaver princess who worked night and day on her loom, creating the tapestry of colors found in the sky. She sat on a cloud, surrounded by stars, weaving sunrises and sunsets for people to enjoy. She never rested and thought of nothing but her important work. One day she heard a strange sound from across the stars. It was a large herd of cattle stomping through the sky, led by mm, a handsome herdsman. When the weaver princess saw the herdsman, she got up from her loom and she ran to greet him. And In that moment, the two fell in love. Ah. They went to the weaver princess's father, the ruler of the heavens, to ask for permission to marry. A wedding soon took place. The weaver princess and the herdsman were so happy together that they never left each other's sides. Soon, the ruler of the heavens noticed that the young couple were neglecting their duties. The herdsman was allowing his cattle to eat the stars in the sky. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. The weaver princess hadn't created any new colors. The heavens appeared bleak. The ruler of the heavens separated the couple, and he placed the herdsman on one side of the galaxy and the weaver princess on the other. Between them was the Milky Way. The ruler made the Milky Way fill with water. It roared like a river in the spring. The weaver princess and the herdsman could only cry and wave at each other from afar. After some time, the ruler of the heavens took pity on the sad couple, and he decided to allow them to meet once a year on the seventh day of the seventh month, as long as they did not neglect their duties the rest of the year. Now every year on the seventh day of the seventh month, you can look up into the sky and see a blue and yellow star meet. This is the happy annual reunion of the weaver princess and the herdsman. The time apart makes them even more thankful for each other. The end. So this story uh, has inspired festivals. So in Japan, there's the Star Festival of Tanabata. And in China, there's the uh, Kiex Festival. And um, both are based on this folktale and are celebrated on the seventh day of the seventh month. Um, it's kind of a funny little story, isn't it? And at one level, I feel like the moral of the story maybe is supposed to be, don't neglect your work. Don't have too much fun. Um, but then I think about what Kyla Gifhead said in our interview and how, you know, you want to play. You know, maybe finding a balance in our lives is more about letting work be play, um, not letting the weight of all those responsibilities bring you down. Um, so for an example, 
you know, one thing I like to do is if I'm doing my dishes, you know, I will play music and I will, <laughs> I will listen to podcasts and I, you know, I, I try to make those things, even the things I don't want to do fun. Um, and, and I think it's interesting too, how Kyla was talking about how we sometimes even make our artwork too weighty and heavy and we got to remember to just play with it. So I don't know that I agree with the ruler of the heavens. I don't think I would make the couple separate uh, all but for one day of the year and not trust them not to create some better balance in their life. But we do all need balance. It can't be all work and all play. Um, but maybe we can bring the two together. And that's my final thought for you here today. This concludes our Alchemy of Art podcast for today. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Annie Hurston and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R. F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.